0: to read from Exodus this morning, Exodus 3, and we'll read the first 10 verses, Exodus 3, 1 through 10. While you're finding that, remember that uh, tonight at 6.30 in this very room is where we will worship with our sisters and brothers from First Missionary Baptist. It's something, something we do twice a year. Uh, Dr. Butler will preach, their choir will sing, our orchestra will do some pre-service music. So at 6.30 here, it's important that we come and that we let them know that we are uh, in partnership and sisters and brothers, so I hope you will come to this room at 6.30 uh, tonight. We're continuing this series, of course, on the, the faith of our fathers and mothers. We've looked at Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca and Joseph or Jacob and Joseph and today we look at the story of Moses and the story of Moses the story of the exodus the the liberation from slavery in Egypt is a reminder a powerful reminder to us all uh, that we all need to be freed from something and it's a wonderful, beautiful reminder of the power of emancipation uh, that our Lord has and his willingness to, to emancipate, to liberate, to free us from those things that, that enslave us. Exodus 3, let's read the first ten verses. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Our story last week ended with with Joseph. Of course, Joseph was the hero of the Egyptians. He had helped them through the famine. He had interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and he had told them there's going to be seven years of of bountiful harvest and they collected they stored uh, the excess and then during the following seven years of famine they were able to feed all the Egyptians as well as their neighbors in, uh, in North, uh, North, not North Alabama, North Africa and the Middle East there is an Egypt in, in North Alabama, That's, well you probably don't know that, ho- has nothing to do with the sermon I'm sorry, I chased a rabbit, I'm not going to chase, I'm coming back I'm coming back our story last week ended with Joseph and um, all his people coming to to egypt remember he he was such a hero to the egyptians that that they he brought his brothers and his father and and these Hebrew people were welcomed they were embraced in, in egypt they were they were welcomed just like family and so Joseph got to watch his nephews and nieces grow up and then his great nieces and great nephews and the, the Hebrew people began to multiply and then there arose a, a pharaoh the Bible says who knew not Joseph this was a, an Egyptian pharaoh who had flunked Egyptian history he didn't know the name Joseph he didn't know how the people of from Canaan, the Hebrew people had been so warmly embraced and welcomed, and how they had so become part of the, the warp and woof of Egyptian culture. He saw them only as, as cheap labor. And so he enslaved the Hebrew people, the Israelites. For decades and painful decades, they were slaves, did whatever their tasks were taskmasters demanded, until 400 years now had passed since Joseph's day, and a new Pharaoh recognized how plentiful, how numerous the Hebrew people were. And even though they were enslaved, he knew that were they to organize, if they were to organize, they would be a real threat uh, to the Egyptian government. And so, in order to curtail the, the, the growth of the Hebrew people, he ordered the slaughter. Of Hebrew baby boys well there was a Hebrew baby boy whose name was Moses and his mother uh, hid him down in the Nile River in a basket and Moses was found there by ironically the daughter of the Pharaoh himself and she she took him in so Moses grew up as a the fair-haired child of the first family a, the prince in the palace. He was he was favored. He had a he was a VIP. But he knew, and you know, somebody had told him, he had intuited, he knew that by blood he was not Egyptian, he was Hebrew. And one day when he was 40 years old, he he stood watching the the enslavement of his people, and he was deeply saddened. In particular, he honed in on, on a a taskmaster, a slave master who was beating one of the Hebrew slaves and his sadness turned to anger, his blood boiled and his pulse raced and impulsively out of his anger he rushed to the to, to the Egyptian taskmaster and, and attacked him and, and started beating him and it wasn't premeditated but his anger just got away with him and he He beat the man until he died. Now Moses thought nobody would know. But they knew. It wasn't long until Moses' picture was up in every post office west of the Nile River. And so he had to flee Egypt. He fled and he fled and he fled until he ended up in a nowheresville kind of place in the southeastern Sinai called Midian. And nobody really wanted to go to Midian. When young Egyptian men and women dreamed of where their, their vocations might take them, nobody ever said, gee, I hope I end up in Midian. Moses didn't want to go there either, but <clears throat> he was in trouble, and, and that was a good place to hide out, apparently. By the way, every passport uh, of life has a, has a page stamped Midian. Yours probably does. Mine has a Midian or two. Places, maybe physical places. More likely situations where you didn't really, you didn't really want to be. Maybe you made that choice, the choice that resulted in your exile, if you will, to a a nowheresville kind of place you didn't want to be your own personal Midian or maybe somebody else made a decision for you didn't work out well for you and you ended up in in Midian or maybe life was just unfair in every passport of life uh, on some page if not multiple pages there is stamped uh, Midian now Moses never intended to be in Midian but the interesting thing about Midian was that that's where God was preparing him uh, shaping him For the most important event in the history of the nation of Israel the Exodus he grew up in something of a bubble probably not prepared for the rigors of leading the Israelites out of slavery but something about Midian shaped him so the encouraging word is if you are presently abiding in Midian although I don't think God took you there I do believe God can shape you and prepare you for something special so maybe there is a reason uh, you are in Midian well so after 40 years we read the story Moses is is walking when he sees a bush that's burning and um, it's not being consumed so he goes over to, to investigate he finds that god himself is in the fire divine pyrotechnics the the bush is burning it's not being consumed and and he gets close enough to where god speaks and says moses take off your shoes you're on holy ground and and when when moses got close enough for god to speak this is what he said we read it a moment ago i have seen the misery of my people in egypt I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. Let's look at God's response to the suffering of the people in Egypt. One, he said, I've, I've seen and heard. There's a musical about the Exodus, it's titled uh, The Ten Commandments, and in that musical, there's a song that says, Is anybody listening? And then it says, God, if you're listening, let us know. If you're listening, let us go. For 400 years, they cried and they prayed and they must have wondered, is anybody listening? He was. He said, I've heard their cries, and then he said, I'm I'm moved to compassion. He cared. Which is an amazing thing to me that the one who hung so many planets in space that even our best telescopes haven't seen them all, that he would care, that he would, that he would be moved by your pain. That's a pretty amazing thing. They must have wondered, all those years, does the God of Abraham care about us now? And he did. He said, I've, I've heard and I am moved and, and I've come to deliver them. He, he delivered them. They must have wondered, all those years, will he ever get us out of this and he and he did. God is and that's what we're going to focus on the rest of the time is God's willingness and his power to deliver people. He sent Moses and Moses declared to the obstinate Egyptian leader let my people go and after some plagues and crossing the Red Sea on dry land the people of Israel the Hebrew people were freed from their enslavement in Egypt The Cliffs Notes version of the next 40 years is that they wandered and they wandered and they wandered in the wilderness before they ever got to the promised land. Moses' leadership skills were severely tested during that time. He he survived a coup attempt, an attempt, a takeover by a man named Korah and several others, and then he survived an attempt to take his leadership. By his own brother and sister Aaron and Miriam we're going to talk about that next week so he survived at least two attempts to, to overcome his leadership but the biggest problem was the incessant griping and complaining by the, the Hebrew people themselves they had a, a fire to warm them and give them light by night they had clouds to keep them cool by day they got manna from heaven but it wasn't enough and they were always complaining about how good things were back in Egypt. In fact, they'd say, you know, we ought to just go back there where, where we were enslaved. But they just weren't happy. And it, it nearly drove Moses crazy. He even went, I remember, to the mountain for the Ten Commandments, came down and they had thrown their gold into a fire and melted it and formed a, a golden calf. And they were worshiping. He had just been there with God on the mountain. And here they were worshiping a calf. And Moses was just exasperated and often frustrated. And he must have been awfully frustrated that day when the people of Israel in the wilderness were were thirsty and needed some water. And God said to Moses, go speak to the rock and I'll give them water. And Moses walked over there and he just was so frustrated, so exasperated that instead of speaking to the rock, he hauled off and hit the rock with his staff. And everything changed for Moses. God said, because you have been so arrogantly disobedient in the sight of my people, you won't get to go into Canaan. So, so Moses was able to go up on Mount Nebo and look west over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. But it was Joshua, not Moses, who would lead the children of Israel there. That's the oddest part of the story for me. It seems to me a little bit like God overreacted. Like, you know, it wasn't that bad hitting the rock. Like maybe a crime, a punishment that didn't fit the crime. But God couldn't let that go. Remember he said because you've been disobedient in the sight of the Of my people so the leader is held to a higher level of accountability and and if and that arrogant disobedience would have spread like cancer if God hadn't as Barney Fife would say nip it in the bud so God had to nip it in the bud and and so so Moses would not get to go into the promised land why would Moses hit the rock well maybe he was just mad you know, people get mad at God. You know, Moses, at least twice, had referred to God as the rock. So maybe he was just mad at God. God had, God had led him to a job he didn't want, among people he often didn't like, in a wilderness he couldn't escape. So maybe Moses was just mad. It's understandable and it's not terribly uncommon for people to be mad at God. And to a point, it's not only understandable, but I think God can handle it. There is a point at which we, it becomes self-destructive, as it did with Moses. But Moses was just mad, maybe. And, and maybe he didn't trust God. Maybe he had some doubts. Mo- Mother Teresa, remember Mother Teresa died in 1997? served so beautifully, so faithfully in India among the least of these, among the outcasts, among the the children of the streets. After her death, a book was published titled, Come Be My Light. It was a compilation of her letters. And in those letters are surprising accounts of her doubt. Some really dark nights of her soul when she just wasn't sure of whether God could do what he promised he could do. And that's Mother Teresa. Maybe Moses just had doubts. So the point is, if you've ever been mad at God or if you've ever had a doubt, then join the club. It's a, it's a club that has some pretty impressive members. So... So Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land. Joshua does, and that's for another day. But for today, the story of the Exodus, the deliverance of the Hebrew people from their enslavement in Egypt, is a powerful reminder of God's power to deliver us from the things that enslave us. The story of the Exodus is a powerful reminder that God's mission to the world is not just so that we'll be a little nicer, God's mission to the world is not just so that we will be a little more content and happy about life. God's mission to the world is to free people from the things that enslave us. The Bible says we're born with a sinful nature and overwhelming tendency to do the wrong thing. And Romans 6 says that sinful nature is not just a character flaw, it is a slave master. So that... we are enslaved by by that nature that overwhelming tendency to do the wrong thing it is our slave master and we are its slave and the story of the exodus is a powerful reminder that god's mission to the world is not just to make us a little nicer or to feel a little better about ourselves but to deliver us from the things that that enslave us we all fall under the power of something From substances to pornography, from destructive behavior to fear, from self-hatred to self-centeredness. Those aren't just character flaws. They become our taskmasters, our slave drivers. And the good news is that God has a power to deliver us from those things that enslave us. Romans 6 is so wonderful. It speaks beautifully of the death of Jesus and then moves quickly to say, though you were once slaves to sin, you have been set free. And so God offers to us the power to be liberated. There are two important warnings, though, before I I close. Whether you're enslaved by... Some of those things I mentioned are something else. You, you can be free, but two big warnings. Number one, you have to do your part. It's not like magic. In the fall, fall Saturdays in 1960s and the 70s, Coach Bear Bryant had a, a TV show. Did you ever, anybody ever watch the Bear Bryant show in the 60s and the 70s? A few of you. The rest of you are too young I, for, to remember that, but I, I do, I remember that. He always sat in front of golden flake potato chips and a Coca-Cola. And he would relive or, or recap the, the previous day's game. This was on Sundays. He would recap the Saturday games. Well, there was one game when they had gotten beat. Maybe it was by Tennessee, I don't know, but they had gotten beat the previous day. And the host of the show wanted to blame somebody. He did not blame the referees. He did not blame the referees. I've heard a little bit of that in the last 16 or 17 hours. (laughs) You know what he said? The host of the show turned to Bear Bryant and said, You know, Coach, the Lord just wasn't with us yesterday. And Bear Bryant growled in response the Lord expects us to block and tackle (laughs) it ain't magic whether yours is a a habit you can't kick an obsession you can't get over whether it's self destructive behavior or self-hatred or self-centeredness whatever it is that has enslaved you you can be freed but you've got to do your part it's like you can't just go uh, to academy sports and buy an elliptical machine and put it in your bedroom and expect to be in good shape right? you've got to do the work so for people to be liberated to be freed from the things that enslave us we have to do the work second it might be a a long, tough road. The road to liberation. The Hebrew people had to pack up everything and move to a a life they never had known. All they had known was slavery. And the road to liberation, the road to the promised land, was not a stroll in the park. It wasn't a Sunday afternoon drive. It was an arduous, difficult path. When I was a pastor in Richmond at Bon Air Baptist, Michael Jackson came and spoke to us. Not that Michael Jackson, another, another Michael Jackson, but he did. He came and spoke. And he told us his testimony about how when he was saved, he he had this instantaneous freedom from, from his habits and his obsessions and his addictions. They all just went away immediately. And sometimes it happens like that, but not not often. Usually, the road to freedom is an arduous, difficult, sometimes long road. Maybe, maybe you've been enslaved by grief. You can be freed, but it might be a rough road through some tough counseling sessions. And remember the, Psalm 35, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. But sometimes Joy comes, but sometimes the, the, the night is long and dark. Maybe you've, you're enslaved by the pain of betrayal. Maybe betrayal within a marriage and, or, or friendship. And, and the, the road to freedom from that is, is a long and tough one. Trust that has been lost is not easily re-earned. And so it takes a while. It takes some work. Maybe it's a financial enslavement. Maybe you've, you've made some, you're have you've just in a financial bind and, and you feel enslaved by that. You can be freed, but that's going to take some hard decisions, some adjustments in, in your lifestyle, some adjustments in your businesses. And maybe it's not even your fault that they are, but it's going to be a hard journey out, but you can be, you can be freed. It may be a, a slavery to something like, I don't know, depression. You can be freed from that, but but the road is not easy. It's not like magic. Only God has the power to deliver people who are enslaved. Google, Google can provide you information. A self-help book will provide you motivation. Good school will give you an education your PT, your physical therapist, can help you with your rehabilitation. A good PR or public relations firm can enhance your reputation. And your grandmother will shower you with affirmation. But only God offers genuine liberation, emancipation from those things that enslaves us. Our sinful nature is not just a character flaw, it is a slave master. The overwhelming tendency to do the wrong thing is not just a character flaw, it is a task master, a slave master and the story of Exodus is a powerful reminder that God's mission to the world is not just to make us a little nicer or to feel a little better about ourselves, but to free us from big stuff, from what we freed.